Welcome to episode 97 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversations with Sycomer Trust partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all of the podcast players or by going to sycomer.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us on Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. Our sponsor this week is PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. Find out more at psycharmor.org. On today's episode, I have a conversation with Joy Ashcraft, Director of Maryland's Commitment to Veterans, a program under the Maryland Department of Health's Behavioral Health Administration. Joy holds a Master of Social Work degree from the University of Southern California, where she specialized in community organization, planning, and administration, and minored in military social work. Joy also holds a Master of Education degree in guidance and counseling from Bowie State University. She currently serves as an S3 operations officer and behavioral health practitioner in the 10th Medical Regiment of the Maryland Defense Force. Find out more about Joy by checking out her bio in our show notes. So let's get into my conversation with her and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. So Joy, I'm so glad to be able to highlight the work that you and the team in Maryland are doing to reduce suicide in the military-affiliated population. Before we talk about that work, however, I would like to provide an opportunity for you to share your background and why this work in particular is important to you. Dwayne, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about the work we're doing. So my background, I am a social worker by trade. I come from a large family of military service members. I used to be able to say we've served all branches of the armed services, but I don't have any Space Force people yet. So we'll see what happens with my nieces and nephews and cousins at this point. So I I have a strong passion for this community. I have worked with the community for many years, both as a volunteer and my prior employment. I used to work for the Maryland Army National Guard, and I was what was called an alcohol and drug control officer and I manage the suicide prevention and substance use services for them. And I think that's having that background of military family service, that cultural connection to the military overlaid with a clinical and a social work background can be really beneficial when you're approaching this topic. Definitely. It really highlighted, though, even with the experience with my family, my brother served, my grandfather, uncles. I had started in service, but had to leave due to my father being ill. But even with the experience, having the education as well gave new perspective because, you know, my most direct link to the military is really through the army, but every branch is very different and cultures are different within each branch, depending on where you serve, when you serve, what MOS you have. So it's It continues, education continues to be a very strong purpose for me. And I continue that regardless, even though I have a master's degree now with especially in military social work, I still take a lot of educational training to really keep up and expand my knowledge of this population. 
And being in Maryland, as, as you and I have known, and we've talked before, but I was stationed in Maryland. I mean, it's a, there's some very important strategic military installations in Maryland, as well as the, the National Guard. And it's a diverse state you know, geographically, regionally, and things like that. And so being able to support Maryland service members, veterans, and their families in particular, it's really important. It is. One of the many unique things about Maryland, we are one of probably a handful of states, I don't know exactly how many, that have all eight branches represented. And I'm including Uniform Public Health Service and NOAA. We also have Active Duty Guard and Reserve here. So even though like Space Force is not headquartered here, we do have a handful here. So we do have representation from all eight branches, which makes it a very unique state in that manner. In a great place to retire, like many of them remain there. I chose not to because the military moved me out here to Colorado. But then, and that's the thing with this broad representation, a lot of veterans choose to remain in Maryland. They do. And actually, what is also very interesting is we have the largest percentage of veterans who are buried here too, in our cemeteries, who choose to have their rest in place in Maryland. And I think that, and that's really one thing where more veterans, more service members comes the other concerns, the other issues, greater needs. For example, we're talking specifically around service member and veteran military family suicide. You and I know each other through our mutual work with the Governor's Challenge to prevent SMVF suicide. Be great for you to share with your audience your role in the Maryland Governor's Challenge team and how that integrates with and supports Maryland's commitment to veterans program. Sure. So, well, let me first say that I am the lead of the Maryland Governor's Challenge team, and it does directly connect with my role as a director of Maryland's Commitment to Veterans. So for many of you, you're not going to know what Maryland's Commitment to Veterans is. So it's a program within our Maryland Department of Health Behavioral Health Administration. So we're directly under the Department of Health. And we have really two core functions that we do. The first is really direct service. So that's connecting our service members, veterans, and families with mental health and substance use and supportive services, regardless of discharge status, regardless of length of service, regardless of branch served. We support those and connect them with services across the state, both nonprofit, state agencies, all sorts of stuff. The other aspect of what we do is really about providing and conducting educational opportunities around military culture, unique challenges of this population, bringing evidence-based treatment, educational opportunities to behavioral health providers, peer specialists, first responders. We work with many crisis intervention team programs to train police officers in response for this community. We also educate veteran service organizations and other community organizations. We actually just held a training yesterday. Yeah, so that's some of the work that we do in Maryland's Commitment of Veterans. And how it really overlaps is that in conjunction with that work, we do crisis funding and peer support and some suicide prevention, direct suicide prevention with some of the, the service members, veterans, and family members that we work with. So it really overlaps with the work we do in the Governor's Challenge because we're serving through our Governor's Challenge those we're already serving through Maryland Commitment Veterans and many more. So it's really exciting the work that we're doing and how we're expanding 
both the role of Maryland's Commitment Veterans and the Governor's Challenge. I really appreciate that dual approach. It's complimentary, of course. Many times we want to get service members, veterans, and their families to reach out for help. And so come knock on the door. But we also have to be sure that whoever's door they knock on is ready to receive them. Because if they knock on a door and they get bad service or no service, then they're going to walk away. Most definitely. And so we're really connected with both our local VA medical centers, the vet centers and CBOX. We know that there are many who are serving or have served, choose to not utilize either installation service or VA service. So we're well connected with our local behavioral health authorities and nonprofits that provide these services. And which is exciting is that several of them are also on our Governor's Challenge team. So for example, we have a Stephen A. Cohen clinic in Maryland. We're one of the key states that has one. They're on our Governor's Challenge team. We have Headstrong now in our state and they're on the team. So we're really excited to be able to have both members that we work with directly through the work we do with Maryland's Commitment of Veterans also help shape the work that we're doing through the Governor's Challenge. As a social worker yourself and working to support this population, and as we talked earlier, you have a military-affiliated background. I have a military-affiliated background. There's simply not enough of us in the space who have military experience that sort of live military experience. So there's a lot of people with really great clinical experience, and we're talking behavioral health and suicide prevention support here, that don't have that military culture, and it's necessary for them to have that experience to serve their clients in the best way. It really is. But I will say that you don't have to have served to be able to provide the service. It's about taking the opportunity to educate yourself. So, you know, for example, SAMHSA and the VA partnered with PsychArmor to be able to offer training virtually through the Governor's Challenge portals to educate providers, whether they're mental health, substance use, or healthcare providers, and really general public on this information. And there's many other avenues for training as well that's connected. So like the National Guard works with a Center for Deployment Psychology that offers free training as well to providers, which I'm excited about both the psych armor portion, which is really available to everyone, whereas the Star Behavioral Health is really focused on those who directly will be working with in the mental health space and behavioral health space with this population, because it also includes opportunities for some really deep dive evidence-based practices that work with this population. I really appreciate that. There's the, everybody could benefit from understanding what HUA means, for example, you know, yes. or, or why a Marine says oorah, but then not everybody really needs to know the unique differences between treatments for traumatic brain injury and PTSD. Like those, that's much more of a clinical focus. Yes. But what I will say, even with all the training in the world, you're still not going to know everything. So it's important when you're having those conversations or meeting with, if you're in the clinical space, if you're if you have someone that comes in your office who's a service member veteran or family member simply ask the questions if you don't understand something ask and they will share that information with you because it's giving them an opportunity to educate you instead of everything being the other way around so it it really opens a dialogue and builds a rapport between the two individuals by simply asking 
I think that's a really important point. Even when I was working as a clinician with my own military experience, I I had to have cultural humility to know that I don't know what it was like to be a Navy service member in the late 70s, early 80s, and what that experience was like. So I can't say that just because I served for 20-something years in the Army in the early 2000s means that I know everything that there is to know about the military. Exactly. Or even if it's the same branch. So, for example, with Army and Air Force, you have active duty guard and reserve. And so while the branch is the same, the amount of support and deployments and things like that are very different between active duty guard reserve. So it's very important if you weren't directly in that space, ask questions, get to know more about the culture that individual was part of, because we're not just talking about, like when I worked with the National Guard, everybody has layered cultures. So it's not just the Army National Guard culture. You're also looking at, I'm serving with this unit. And within this unit, I have this MOS, but then we're also building on, we have gender culture, we have ethnicity culture, we have I'm from Maryland versus someone else is from Texas. The culture is different. So we have layers of culture. And so it's really important to have those conversations on an individual level to really grasp what the person is, the culture of the person, because it's many layers. And especially with some of those in reserve and guard in particular, I served for a period of time in a reserve unit in which the company commander and the company first sergeant worked together in their civilian life. But the first sergeant was the company commander supervisor. And so I think that idea of that multi-layered culture and everyone has their own rich and combined experience and being able to understand that is very critical. Now, you've talked about the trained military assistance program, the specific training for for providers, which is one of the efforts of the Governor's Challenge. And you've partnered with Armor to bring to providers in your state. What can you tell us about the program? Well, I am really excited about this program within our Governor's Challenge overall, we were able to bring in almost a million dollars in grant funding, which is super exciting for some of the efforts we're doing. And part of that has been put forward to really build this trained military assistance provider program. So it's a it's really a new initiative about, of course, reducing suicide in this population, increasing lethal means safety, and educating healthcare providers on how to have those conversations with their patients. Because we know all the research shows that those who have died by suicide saw their healthcare provider at higher percentage rates the month prior or the year prior to them dying by suicide. So it's important to educate this population because more than likely the person who is having thoughts are going to see their healthcare provider before they see a mental health care provider. So it's important to provide them the resources and the education because it's not something they get when they're going through nursing school or medical school. So it's important to provide that to them. And it's not just the doctors and the nurses we hope to educate, but it's also the front desk staff. It's also the lab techs because everyone is a touch point in the doctor's office. And so we know nowadays you don't typically spend a whole lot of time in the doctor's office. When you go to the doctor's office, you're seeing all these other people who you're spending more time with. So 
it's really important to educate everyone on the team on what are the signs, what to look for, what do you hear, what do you see, changes in, in health, notice those things, as well as, okay, so I'm noticing something, how do I have that conversation? How do I use an evidence-based assessment to really drill down? Do we need to just have some supports or do we really need to move forward directly to maybe emergency services? Also, how to have conversations around lethal means safety and what is lethal means? What does that mean? How to have conversations about if there are weapons in the home, how to safely store them. If there's medication an individual is on that is an avenue that they might utilize if that's something they're thinking about. How do we provide protections in place and have those conversations about it? So it's really exciting. We've created a graphic around it, the course, so that providers who participate in the program can utilize that and put that in their window and put that on their marketing material that, yes, I am educated to some extent in this population and challenges. And so really excited. PsychArmor is providing virtual online training, accessible 24-7. It's about three and a half hours of coursework that's kind of broken up and they get free CEs for it. So, you know, it's kind of win-win here. And then once they finish the program, they will get both a physical toolkit that's got locking medicine bags in it, that's got gun locks in it, that's got all sorts of goodies in it. I can't even much stuff is in it. And then we also have a virtual toolkit that they get as well. So it's not just I'm taking the class, but you're going to get the resources that go along with that, along with additional training opportunities. If you're looking to dive deeper into the information, like where can you go to get that information and support? So really excited about it. You know, I really like that approach and especially the idea of we're not just you know, focusing on the providers, because you may have a particular provider, perhaps a nurse practitioner or a doctor who has a military background who may think, I, I don't, quote unquote, need this, but that goes back to our earlier conversation. But really, modern medicine is provided collaboratively, like you were saying, from booking the appointment to checking into the appointment at the front desk, to who's taking my blood pressure, to who I'm talking to in the room to who's following up the schedule, to who's billing me. And those are like seven different people. And all of those seven different people are not the care provider, but they're all individuals that are going to come in contact with somebody who served who would be able to highlight or see some warning signs if something is, is, not, is not right there. Definitely. And we really hope that while we reach out to providers and practices and let them know that we have this, that when we're sharing the information about it, it's not just you, we're looking at your whole team, that they really grasp that there's multiple touch points. And it's important that everybody has the education. Because again, like I mentioned before, you're in the doctor's office. Maybe when you go in, you're, you probably are there for a half hour, hour, but you're only spending 10 minutes maybe with the practitioner you went in for it's the sitting in the waiting room getting like you said blood pressure taken and getting your like your labs done and so it's really important to have full wraparound as far as awareness and how to have those conversations so even if your front desk person 
notices something going on and maybe mentions it, then that's moving down the line. So it could just be, it could be that the doctor or the nurse practitioner is doing the assessment, but the entire team is knows that, okay, I'm seeing this. I heard this. I need to relay this to the doctor or the nurse practitioner before they get to their office. Yeah, no, I think that it really is. It's an approach. It's a full wraparound approach so that the individual who's in crisis isn't the one that has to come up and say, look, I'm in crisis right now. Right. There's a there's a huge sign. It's it's many people are, are fully aware of some of these things and are able to reach out and provide resources rather than just saying, call me if you need me. So I, I think it's a wonderful way to consider how to educate providers and, and really excited to hear that Maryland is doing it. So if people wanted to know more about Maryland's commitment to veterans or, or the governor's challenge, how can they do that? We have a website with a really long website address. Your best bet is Google Maryland's commitment to veterans. Or, or there'll be a link in the show notes so they can go to the show notes and then they can click on the link. There you go. Yeah. So we're just, we're really excited about the launch of this. We've been in a pilot stage for a couple of months with 10 practices across the state. So we wanted to make sure that our state, again, is another unique state where we have urban, suburban, rural. We have the waterman community. We have the farming community. We have mountain community. <laughs> if you want to seize it, if you want to go and experience like anything, the only thing we don't have is desert. So can't help you there, but we got it all, the rest of it in Maryland. So we wanted to make sure that we had the voice and feedback from a broad range of providers in our state who are in serving different communities. So really excited that we've had the opportunity to pilot it and get some feedback from those that are participating. And most of the feedback has been, I want more. So yeah. that's been really great to hear. And so that's part of what's built into the toolkits, like the virtual toolkit, there'll be some links back to Myrick, additional resources within PsychArmor. And then, and again, the Star Behavioral Health, some of that information would also be able to support healthcare providers. Yeah, that's great. And, and I, I had a mentor when I was stationed there in, in Maryland that said, Maryland has everything from crabs to cows yes. and everything in between. And so, no, Joy, I really appreciate the opportunity to feature you and the work that you're doing on the show today. Thank you, Dwayne. I really appreciate being here. And I love the work that you do. And I love working with you. Thank you so much. Once again, we would like to thank this week's sponsor, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. You can find out more at PsychArmor.org. I'm so glad to have been able to host Joy on the podcast and share her work with the Maryland Governor's Challenge, Maryland's Commitment to Veterans Program, and the Trained Military Assistance Program. I realized one thing that didn't come across during our conversation is what the governor's challenge actually is. It's no fault of Joy's, of course, because she and her team live it every day. It can sometimes be surprising when you do so much and engage with so many people about the work that you do that there are people out there who haven't heard about what you're doing. You might go back to listen to episode 70, where PsychArmor's own Jenna Pryor shared about how organizations can develop custom training options, such as Maryland's Trained Military Assistance Program and the Governor's Challenge Portal. 
but I realize that we haven't really described what the governor's challenge is. In 2018, a joint initiative between the Department of Veterans Affairs and the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, called the Mayor's Challenge to Prevent SMVF Suicide, was created. This was an effort to establish local suicide prevention coalitions that will take a public health approach to suicide prevention, advance the VA's national strategy to prevent veteran suicide, and incorporate evidence-based strategies from the Center for Disease Control's Preventing Suicide Technical Package. In 2019, the initiative evolved from the Mayor's Challenge to the Governor's Challenge, in which interagency military and civilian teams came together in each state to enhance and align local and statewide suicide prevention efforts to implement promising, best, and evidence-based practices to prevent and reduce suicide at the local level and to participate in collaborative knowledge sharing across the teams. Maryland was one of the first states to join the initiative in year two of the state-level cohorts and have been an active and engaged team that is working both statewide and in collaboration with local partners to develop military and veteran-specific suicide prevention efforts. The Maryland Department of Veterans Affairs was recognized as a leader in suicide prevention efforts as a recipient of the 2022 Abraham Lincoln Pillars of Excellence Award for the Serving Those Who Serve, a public library program, which is a partnership with the Maryland State Library Agency and is an effort to conduct veteran outreach and educate library staff on military and veteran culture. First piloted in 2014, the expansion of the program is a great example of the types of initiatives that are being implemented in teams across the country. Currently, state, territory, and community teams in 52 states and territories and 19 communities across the country are making an effort to save lives of veterans in their local communities, just like Joy and her team are in Maryland. The other point that I'd like to emphasize was Joy's point of layered cultures and how complex they can be. All of us are many different things. We see ourselves through the lens of our race and ethnicity, gender or gender expression, family or community of origin, through our interests, our hobby, our work. Depending on who's asking, I'm a father, a son, an uncle, a husband, a veteran, an army retiree, a mental health professional, a podcast host, a long-distance runner, although you might not think that when you look at me. I'm from Missouri, but probably not the Missouri you're thinking of. I grew up in St. Louis, but again, maybe not the St. Louis you might be picturing, because even though I came from a blue-collar family and lower socioeconomic circumstances, we were privileged enough to be able to move into the suburbs during my early teenage years. All of those things have a direct impact on who I am, and changing any one of those things in someone else will change the complexity of layered cultures. However, there are common things about all of those different layered cultures that may be learned and understood, just as there are stories behind each of those aspects of culture that are unique to me. As Joyce said, you don't have to have served to be of service. You just have to want to learn about those who have. And anyone can be of service to those who served. Again, going back to the trained military assistance program, it's not just the direct medical provider who will see a veteran or military family member in their medical practice. It's the front desk staff, the schedulers, the lab techs, the billing department. When my wife was working as a scheduler for a large outpatient mental health clinic, she knew the veterans on the caseload she was working on and knew when some didn't sound right or were having a bad day. She had both lived experience and education and training around warning signs and things to look out for. It's not about finding that needle in a stack of needles, the one veteran who is in active crisis that needs to have an immediate intervention. It's about making sure that each needle in the stack of needles is recognized for what it is, a veteran with a need. Maybe that need isn't crisis intervention. In fact, the hope is that the needs that lead to crisis are found first before intervention is needed. And so, with the layered and complex cultures of service members, veterans, and their families, there is a greater need for education for those providers who may come in contact with them, 
which is exactly what Maryland's trained military assistance program is designed to do. If you're in Maryland, check out their website in the show notes. So hopefully you appreciated my conversation with Joy. If you did, drop a review in your podcast player of choice or send us an email at info at We always appreciate hearing from listeners, both feedback on the show and suggestions for future guests. For this week's PsychArmor Resource of the Week, I'd like to share the PsychArmor course VA Save Preventing Caregiver Suicide, which is one of the training modules available through the Governor's Challenge Training Portal. After taking this course, you will develop an understanding of the increased risk for suicide seen in military and veteran caregivers, will be able to identify the signs of an at-risk veteran caregiver, and know the steps that you can take to help a veteran caregiver. You can find a link to the resource in our show notes. So thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find in your podcast app, as well as on psycharmor.org forward slash podcast. While you're there, you can find hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care. And it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation and make sure to engage with PsychArmor on social media to let us know what you thought about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing and all rights to the show remain reserved by PsychArmor. Much appreciation to the team at PsychArmor that makes the show happen. Carol Turner, Vice President of Strategic Communications, who keeps me on track, outstanding guest coordinator, and support and transcripts by Emma Atherall. Feel free to share this show. In fact, we request that you do, but make sure to let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode, and until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.